Hello Watch Nerds and welcome back. This week we have a no intro, but just directly welcome Adrian Trampe from ESA Watches. Hello Adrian and welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. Hello to everyone and um, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, to my understanding, this is your first podcast. Uh, I did some other podcasts, but you are very professional with all the, the, the sound equipment and everything. So I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to creating some content. Uh, Adrian, we have known each other for, for a little while now, but for those that don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So my, my name is Adrian. I'm Dutch, born in Rotterdam, uh, the port city of the Netherlands. I uh, studied uh, economics and watchmaking. I did the two things at the same time and I, I tried to combine uh, best of both worlds. Um, I finished my, my watchmaking course and then I went to Switzerland for a master and during that time started uh, ASA watches out of a hobby uh, which went um, a bit too fast and too quick uh, and uh, when I finished I decided to make it my full-time job. So ASA Watches is a, is a, a micro brand that, uh, that I revived in 2016 and um, making uh, watches which are very much inspired by the way ASA was making watches back in the days. So I'm happy to, to, to tell you more about it. I'm so happy you did, man. What did you do before that? Well, uh, so the, the, the bachelor was uh, uh, economics and then the watchmaking study. And as a, as a job, I worked in a, in a watch sh uh, store in Rotterdam uh, as a, let's say, weekend help. And um, my, my first duties were opening, closing the door and making coffee for the guests. And slowly, slowly, I started to, to be allowed to, to handle watches, sell watches, and uh, it was, it's not a huge town, but there it was the most high-end store where they sold uh, Rolex, uh, Patek Philippe, uh, Cartier. So it was like a candy store uh, for, for a watch nerd, wow. uh, starting watch nerd. So I had lots and lots of fun there. But you were into watches before that, long before that, I guess. Yeah, uh, but very small um, uh, it's not that my someone in my family was a watchmaker or something I, I always like like the technique and what I like most about watches that it's a it's a it's a combination of technique and aesthetics so uh, inside is very technical but in the end if the, if the watch doesn't look nice um, it's, it's not it's, you don't want it. it it doesn't have the the thing the desire so that's a, that's a really cool combination. Completely agree. Do you remember your first watch? Uh, yes, uh, a Pulsar that is uh, that I still have, which I got when I was twelve from my grandfather. A blue dial quartz chronograph steel bracelet, which was uh, yeah at that time I, I I didn't know so much about watches yet, but that was uh, yeah a watch I was wearing every day. Did that somehow uh, spark the passion for watches or was it later? Uh, yeah, it was a bit later. And to be honest, well, when it, I, I was always interested in looking in the shop windows and, and things. But uh, yeah, uh, as, a, as a teenager and as a student, not, not having money 
uh, spare to, to, to buy a nice watch. Um, but what really sparked it when, uh, was when I failed my high school my last year. So I had to redo my last year and I had lots of time, um, yeah, spare time. So I was a bit pushed to, to go and do something. And I found this uh, watchmaking course for 10 evenings, uh, 10 Tuesday evenings, which I decided to try. And what really sparked my, my interest is, the, is basically the, the romantic picture of the watchmaking maker in the Jura Mountains, in the snow, working with the little light. Uh, it's just something that is, is so romantic. Um, and and uh, yeah, I, I, I really like that. And then I did this 10 evenings. Halfway, I already knew I wanted to continue this. So like it was a bad thing I failed my my last year, but uh, a good thing that this made me um, discover my 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 interest, my passion. Adrian, we forgot the wrist check. Uh, what are you wearing today? Well, um, today I'm wearing the 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 ASA nineteen seventy two, uh, the, the modern version as I call it. So it's a watch inspired by an original piece from ASA from the year 1972, which I, I found out um, uh, by uh, contacting a, a friend from Australia. Uh, he has a very cool uh, uh, watch collection uh, and his Instagram page is mechanical uh, underscore time. Uh, and he has a huge collection of, um, well, with all the respect, um, uh, um, uh, not like not hugely valuable, but interesting small brands that almost nobody knows about. And he had an ASA piece and he knew more about it and could show it was from 1972. And I collaborated with him. I said, listen, why don't we work together and try to revive this, this watch? So we had some calls and some discussions and uh, came up with the idea to make two versions. One is a limited edition, very close to the original, same size, um, uh, plexiglass, uh, all these things. And the one that I'm wearing now, the, the, the modern one, a bit bigger, uh, 39 and a half millimeters uh, with sapphire glass, ceramic bezel, uh, the modern specs, 200 meters water resistance. So a really, really nice watch to just wear uh, every day. Well, it did become quite valuable in the end, his, his uh, collection of watches, because uh, it brought that model back to life. No, definitely. No, and, and uh, interest-wise, interest it's super interesting. So I, I would invite everyone to, to go over to his page and give him a follow. Uh, very, very nice, very contemporary. Mechanical time. I will put, uh, put him in the notes, uh, in the podcast notes below. ESA has long history. It, just before it uh, went out of uh, business in the 70s, it was gaining traction before the quartz crisis. How much of that past have you been able to unfold and discover? Yeah, so that's very, very interesting. Um, when I started ESA, I, I knew the story about um, Herman Becker, who had um, a watch factory, uh, started in 1921. Uh, of course, there was the, the, the war in between which stopped all the production. Then after, uh, he continued. And um, there was a story about how he, he, he died in a, in a car accident. His wife took over. And then the quartz crisis came, which um, 
made the company go bankrupt. So that's in a very short version. And then I went uh, searching for more and more history. There are a few books about uh, the Fordsheim watch history. Uh, some people who, who spent a lot of time into, into researching this. I went with uh, a Dutch watch magazine called Watching. We went on a trip to Fordsheim, to the museums there, but also to the archive, wow. where we found uh, very cool papers. Uh, for example, after the war, um, that the factory had to buy steel to make, uh, to make watches. And they had to sign and prove that they were not making uh, uh, ammunition or, or, or weapons from this, uh, which was all, um, uh, all had all the details, but also address of the factory. We went to the street where there was the factory. The factory was a bit more, there were two locations, one in the center and one more a bit outside in a small suburb called Dietlingen. And uh, we spoke there uh, even uh, to an old lady who worked in the factory. But yeah, it was, um, they were getting quite some traction. But it's also good to know that it was the, the whole watch industry, in, in my view, uh, was very different because you had the, you didn't have quartz watches. Everything was mechanical. There was not like your watch was mechanical point. There was no other, it was a hand wound or an automatic or uh, um, so many, many more little factories making movements, making cases, making, uh, making parts. And for time was known as, as the, some called it the, the little, little Geneva. Um, and it was, it was really a, a bit of a different, uh, way of making watches so if you look at other small brands from from that time you can see different stamps in the case back so the case back is maybe made by another factory the movement comes from this factory the dial from this so it was really a combination of uh, of, of parts from different factories and uh, many of the brands were like ASA uh, not per se a brand as you see it today, like let, let's take a Longines, for example. They have their own factory in Switzerland and uh, that, that's their location, headquarters, making the watches and, and everything. Maybe yeah. they buy some parts left and right, but, but back in the days it was sort of or a way to show the quality of your products, to make a brand and to, to, to be able to show it to the world, or a way to create some extra revenue by saying, okay, we make movements, but why don't we make a, a brand also? And we, and we sell this and, uh, and, and, and try to, to, to make extra revenue. So very interesting, what is the exact reason for ESA, uh, which I don't know uh, for sure, for 100%, but uh, I'm, I'm still looking at it. That's for the next episode. Definitely, I would love that. And the thing is that uh, in the technical museum, uh, they spoke about yeah there was lots of damage because of the of, of the war that uh, lots of archive pieces were were lost, um, but also it's it's it, there there is still information in this city to be digged up but uh, because it's not not so much in the interest of the public uh, there's not really a budget or or things to to discover if this was in Geneva they would have searched for every little piece of history exactly. Already. But that's not the case. So it's, it's like a little adventure uh, there. 
trying to find more information and I'm sure there's more information to be found and to be to be to be discovered. Now let's talk about the modern watches. You you start talking a little bit about the 1972. What else can you tell us about it? Well, um, yeah, it's it's sort of a start of where I want to go with with ASA. So the idea would really be to create two collections. One, let, let's say the contemporary collection, which is the the Sealander, the dive watch, and the air fighter, the pilot watch, with really the classic elements of the watch that it's intended to be. So the dive watch uh, has the turning bezel, unidirectional 120 clicks, uh, mostly dark colored dial. The indexes are uh, a simple shaped, so easy to see underwater. Uh, the glass dot. So all the 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 real uh, yeah uh, technical aspects of of of, of this watch. The, the the pilot watch has the well, the pilot sign on the dial, but for example the logo is engraved on the inside of the glass because the original pilot watches usually didn't have the brand on it. So I, I try to make modern pieces, but with very, um, very much inspired on, on all this, this um, uh, how, how would I say it, like usable details of the watch, the, the watch it is, it's intended to be. And then on the other side, the vintage collection with remakes of old ASA pieces. And as you said, they, they, they put out quite a lot of ASA pieces. So I have now um, uh, a small collection of, of new old stock pieces, which I found literally from Argentina to Moscow, uh, all over the world. And uh, yeah, I'm planning to, to, to extend that collection. And, um, and I would really like to involve the watch community to, um, to, to well, help me, but mostly vote on which watch they would love to see to be remade. That'll be fantastic. And th th that's what we like about microbrands. There is a forth and back with the watch community on a level that neither Seiko or, or any of the big boys uh, can provide. No, and it's, it's uh, I think when you are a microbrand, you have the advantage to be more creative and to, to, yeah, to do what others don't do. Uh, so I would say use that and 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 do it, and um, uh, that's an advantage compared to to a big brand, which I I really believe that the big brands and the small brands they they help each other in a way. The big brands create the 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 demand of mechanical watches in general, but the small brands are the ones that are very creative and innovative because they are small. So they, they, they have a certain input in the industry as well. So I, I think it's, it's, they, they're helping each other. Good point. To me, the, the 1972 dial and case do carry the, the, the spirit of the 70s. I mean, in terms of watch aesthetics, uh, I mean, it's period correct. Yeah. It's a heritage reissue that, that uh, coincidentally has captured really the, the, the spirit of the 70s. And you have captured the nostalgia. I'm sure you were tempted to put the loom but uh, I'm happy you didn't because that, that's really, uh, as you mentioned in the beginning, this romanticism, uh, it, it seems to be a theme with you. You have brought it to the dial as well. Yeah, yeah. well, that was, um, well, you, you said, yes, I was tempted to put loom on the dial because uh, everyone does that. But when making this watch, 
for me, it was quite clear to keep very close to the original dial. So this is really the dial and just remade, but made it a bit bigger. So you'll see, okay, the date window is a bit closer to the center than with the original because there, because of the movement, you cannot change the position of the of the, of the date uh, the date wheel, for example. But yeah, I really wanted to to um, stay very close to the original and keep that that seventies vibe. As you say, the shape and the case is super seventies. Um, but well, I I really um, invite people to to yeah. To, to have a look, but also especially to have a look on, on pictures where people are wearing it. Um, my experience with the ASA on tour trips that I do to big cities, when people come and they say, I'm interested in the Sealander, uh, 90% walk away with the 1972. What's the reason, do you think? So it's... it's the charm. I, I think it's, it's the... Well, the 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 Sealander is 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 a real dive watch. Three hundred meters. It's it's a bit thicker, but this watch is 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 so thin and it wears much smaller. So lock to lock is fifty millimeters, which sounds a lot, but you really wouldn't say if you have it on the wrist. It's very thin. the The case back is like a little bubble, sort of over the movement. So it's a bit cheating. <laughs> and if you look at the side, the side of the case is 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 super thin. And then uh, with ceramic bezel and the sapphire glass and 200 meters water resistant, it's, well, yeah, it's for me, it's a watch that you can use in everywhere uh, on the beach at work. It goes under the, the, the cuff of your, of your shirts very easily. So that's, we, we have a sort of a saying that we say uh, you can wear it from, from beach to boardroom. It's at home everywhere. Every company has a philosophy and mission and vision what's yours mm -hmm. for me it is the continuing the 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 way of asa nowadays so there was a big stop between quartz crisis and 2016 but i want to continue the vision of the watchmaking during that time so that means uh, using the best parts that you can get uh, so I'm using Swiss movements. Um, some parts are uh, from Asia. Um, for example, the, the domed sapphire glass on the 1972 is very, very difficult to make. And in, in Switzerland would be a glass of 200 uh, Swiss francs. So that would be, would be impossible. So I try to get the best quality parts from where, uh, where I can. It's all assembled in Fortheim. Uh, made a made in Germany piece, and and that's in, I think how they did it back in the days, and that's what I what I want to continue. Uh, the other question you already actually cover as well: how are the watches made and where? You you just answered that question as well. Yeah, so so it's uh, yeah it's a mix, and some people ask because I'm, lo I'm I live in Switzerland, so I'm I'm close to closer to fire, as I like to say. Uh, close to watchmakers, uh, I take the train half an hour up into the Jura and, and I'm there. So I work with people there. Uh, so people say, why not make it a Swiss made piece? Um, because with the value of the movement and uh, like following all the rules, I, I could do that. Um, but I don't want to do that because I want to stay close to the roots of, of ESA. And I think that 
some people are, are, are a little bit cheating on this, on this Swiss madeness. I prefer to stay close to the roots, keep uh, all the assembly in Fortheim and continue the way that they were making watches there. Yeah, in, in 2021, uh, unfortunately, the, the name Swiss made has lost its, its strength and, and its uh, position in the watch business compared to just six, seven years ago. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's very different when you talk about a very high-end piece from, um, um, from like a, well, a, a micro brand, but like from people that really make lots of pieces still by hand and everything, so much effort put in it, and then they put Swiss made on it, and then compared to some other products that you can make, I think there's a big difference in, in how, how close they stay to the, to, the, to the real value. For you as a watchmaker, what is the feeling that you're reviving this old historical brand uh, from from your country? Yeah, no, it's uh, to, like if I compare it, when I finished my watch studies, I did half a year an internship at the at the service center of Rolex, uh, servicing uh, uh, just submariners, uh, these things, which. It's amazing the quality and all the tools that they make for every job that you have to do. To remove the ceramic bezel of a GMT, you, there's a little device and you put it in and you click and it comes out and it always works one time. It's, it's, it's a joy to work on it, really. But yeah, it, maybe it sounds strange, but after six months you get a little bit you want something new and to try and to to you know it's it's a bit uh, the same thing every day so yeah for me it was clear that i wanted to do something myself it's not fun uh, all the time because you also have to do very boring things like accounting and this stuff and uh, and, and and sometimes things don't go don't, don't go as you want them to go but it's a joy to to do something yourself. And what gives me the most energy to 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 finish that off then is when people are enthusiastic and they email me back with a picture and they say that they're happy and they're wearing it and uh, I don't know they make a picture on the beach and they swim with the watch and that's that's the the best thing. Absolutely. Definitely. Because watches are not meant to live in boxes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They should go out there. <laughs> yes. Edwin, I'm probably pushing my luck, but um, I'm going to ask, what does the future hold? Are we expecting something big? Are we expecting a lady model chronograph? Or do you have something for us on a podcast today? Do you want to reveal something? Well, there, there are many, many ideas I have, um, which take usually quite a lot of time in, in watchmaking. Uh, from an idea to a finished product, um, in my experience, can take up to a year. Um, but uh, yeah, for now I'm. I have this piece actually here, which well you can see, but the, the listeners uh, <laughs> cannot see obviously. It's the Sealander bronze with black dial. So it's one that uh, isn't released yet and will will come very soon. Um, and, and for the listeners, there is a light coming from the window next to Adrian. And it makes this watch look amazing. <laughs> oh, that's not on purpose, actually, but that's good. Uh, that, that worked out like <laughs> it's that. just glowing. <laughs> so yeah, it, the 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 bronze wow. with black dial, and now I have I'm having it on the uh, diamond quilted black strap, which of course then matches with with the dial. 
it's nice to, to launch something new. And I'm actually excited to wear this new piece because I, I wasn't wearing it uh, so far. So <laughs> I'm not a bronze uh, case fan, but this one just looks apart. Yeah, it, especially when it's new, you still have the really the brushed side and the little flanks of the lugs are polished. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's, it's all in the game about the, the patina. Uh, so I have a green one that I wore quite a lot, swam in the sea with it, everything. And the patina is, uh, is really cool. And I would prefer it actually above, uh, uh, well, I don't own a full gold watch, but uh, it's really nice to get, to get a bit of the life into it. No, no, and people do put it like above acid and with two little sticks and you have to keep it above it, not in, but above. And then the, the, the patina process goes like, I don't know, uh, 100,000 times faster. And uh, yeah, no, you can do many, many things with that. To, to me, this is not very attractive. I, I like my watches uh, cl clean and shiny, okay. but some people <laughs> are really, really into it. And uh, I, I'm amazed that this was not a thing before. No, it, when, when did it start? Uh, you, yeah, I remember the, this, this, this Panerai, which was the, uh, well, I might be wrong, so excuse me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it was the 507, Palm Fighter 507, which was the bronze one, and that was hugely popular uh, at that time. Uh, and now you can buy a bronze watch from almost every brand. Um, but it's also important to, to note that some brands put sort of a protective layer on top of the bronze. Do you want to disclose uh, the type of bronze you use on, on that watch? Uh, yes. And then I have to, I have to cheat a little bit to, to look because I, there is the very technical name. For the bronze nerds out there. Exactly. So the bronze um, mix is uh, CUAI9, which is different from the, like, C-U-S-N cousin 8, if I'm uh, saying that correctly. So here the, the, the mixture is a, is a little bit harder and a little bit more yellow. So it goes maybe a bit more towards a gold color when it's, when it's completely new. But the experience with, well, testing different ones out is that here you get patina, so you see it, but it doesn't go cr crazy. Yeah. So, well, maybe, uh, yeah, if you, if, if you can have a look on, on for example, my, my Instagram page, uh, probably the, 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 the green one will pass from time to time uh, when I'm wearing it. And uh, yeah, you can see it's, uh, it has patina, but it's not, it doesn't go too crazy. When you're not wearing ESA, which is probably quite rare, what are you wearing? Is there any other watches in your collection you're willing to disclose? Yes, uh, a Seiko uh, SKX009, which is my uh, my beater. So if I uh, if I go somewhere, um, yeah, I don't know, I'm working on something or uh, building something, fixing something in the house, I, I wear that watch. So uh, I'm sort of trying to make it as used as possible. But you live in Switzerland. Do you wear it out of the house? Uh, I, I, I do sometimes. I, I, <laughs> I do, but, but mostly, yeah, well, every day is, is, the, is the Asia piece. Uh, so I don't really yeah. have, like, well, a collect collection, if I can call it that way, consists of, of about 10 um, new old stock pieces from, from Asia. Very funky ones. Yeah. Very 
funky cases, um, uh, one uh, rectangular watch, uh, uh, gold plated, uh, ESA, which was also is also being made in steel with a steel colored dial. So the steel one I don't have yet, so uh, I'm, I'm looking for that one. Um, the, the Seiko, and I have a few pieces I made during my watchmaking studies. So you had some study programs where uh, it started with the uh, ETA um, 6498, the, the hand winder, that was sort of the first yeah. project. And um, you could buy a kit from ETA, so they would send uh, a case and a dial and, uh, and the movement, and you had to service the watch which was completely new, the movement, but you had to service it yourself and assemble it. So sort of self-made uh, pieces. And then there were some I tried with like more 7750 uh, with chronographs or even with the, with the moon face yeah. um, pieces there. But they're a bit of uh, Frankenstein uh, pieces with, with the case and the strap and everything I had laying around. Do you have a grail watch? Is there anything you're you're inspired to get, and something that when you when you scroll through the Instagram, you're like, oh, I would love to have uh, that. <laughs> well, there there's some I, I would say gu- guilty pleasures, <laughs> which are not the most uh, <laughs> most uh, chic uh, type of watches, but uh, well, what I what I just think is a badass watch is the is the Rolex GMT steel gold with the rose gold, um, which is not the like <laughs> some people might say what what's <laughs> that's not the the the, the, the fanciest uh, part but i'm i'm quite lucky to to know um, uh, a watchmaker here and call in my friend uh, Stephen McGonagall um, from McGonagall watches and um, he is a very talented watchmaker worked at Brege Clare uh, Frank Müller doing really the high end complications and he makes the watches himself. Um, wow! So if you see that piece on the, on the first time, you might say, "Oh, it's a bit like funky with the, with the, the very big lugs and these things." But if you get to know really what goes into it, uh, unbelievable! So they have the Tusker, which is a hand-wound piece. Uh, I believe it's sold out actually. Um, uh, and he showed me some pieces. Um, which I, I'm afraid I cannot tell about, which were sort of uh, secret, yes, unique, uh, unique pieces. And uh, yeah, okay. so such a piece would, would really be, would be my mm. real watch um, or from him or other guys. But I, I've been to some, some events, some parties. There is, a, there is a bar in Neuchâtel called The Surf. And um, uh, this is a bar that sort of it was owned by by Stephen who who is the um, the watchmaker and it sort of became uh, like a, like a meetup place for watchmakers so where there is one side which is very fancy of the selling high end watches other end is having a pint of guinness and and just talk about it uh, so you meet people who make i don't know this this very complicated from jacob and co with this globe you know that's all turning uh these guys or the the i don't know grubble forcey watches that you see uh, that's um yeah that's so i don't have a grill 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 yeah. watch but something like like that from the really smaller uh, factories 
How do you see the, the microbrand scene in general? I promise this is the last question. How do you see the microbrand scene changing and, and all that uh, compared to just uh, when you started? Well, uh, so I would really love to uh, answer this question, but then if I can add a bit to the last question. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah, so I um, I think the, the, the coolest complication on a watch is, is, the, is the, the repetition. So uh, a minute repeater is very cool. But then uh, a grand sonnery uh, is, is, well, it's one of the highest complications, but that would be something to own that. Uh, and especially, well, the Grover Forsyth, they have one in titanium case, which uh, sounds very, very, very loud for, for a repetition watch. Or uh, uh, François Paul Journe has one, which is made, I don't know, there are like multiple patents in this movement which is made to use it every day because it's such a delicate construction. But so that would be, but uh, I have to sell uh, my house, my car, my, my everything, and then I'm still not there. So, <laughs> Adrian, it has been absolute pl pleasure having you on. Uh, I've been looking into ESA ever since in its, its inception, and uh, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. happy to, to continue following. Uh, also in the future, I hope to have you also as a guest in the future with uh, future releases, and I hope you will come. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm I'm very happy to to join, and uh, yeah, well, I hope we can meet uh, in in person, maybe even next time. You're very welcome. We are double vaccinated. Things are opening up. More events are coming up. So I'm I'm really excited also to see people and their passion because mm -hmm. that's what also keep me up other people's passion, our share, share love for, for the hobby of collecting watches. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's great to have these events, uh, just have a beer, talk about watches. Uh, and the cool thing is that, um, yeah, um, you, you can walk in with, with the Psycho and it's, it's, it's a cool watch. So I, what I love about all these communities and everything, in every budget you have cool pieces that you can show that you 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 thought about it you build your collection over the, over time and you put a lot of time into it the researching and uh, I, th I think that's that's the coolest thing you can spot a watch guy in the train uh, by seeing what type of watch he has and uh, and if he if he wears something something um, something nice something outstanding you you can talk about it and then we'll be like oh yes indeed and I 100% sure that then this person will have something to tell about it to say, okay, I was at this event or this or that's how I got it uh, left or right. Yeah. It makes your day. Yeah, it makes definitely. your day. <laughs> and it's also cool. Sometimes people send me pictures and that they spotted an ESA in the train or something. And awesome. Secret picture of uh, that's That's even cooler. Yeah, small world. Well, if I spot any yes, I will let you know, man, because yeah, cool, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm on the forums all the time. I'm a member of several forums uh, because that, that's where I feel at home. Yeah. That's where the, the real nerds are. Maybe I'm wrong, but a lot of the watchmakers are there. A lot of the people that have the know-how and the knowledge are there. So uh, the possibility of spotting as a there is uh, usually quite high. Cool, cool. Well, if, if, I, if I can still... Uh, tell you about about the your last question about the micro brands and this sort of yeah scene. go on go um, on yeah sorry to take the floor a bit on myself but I have uh, it's your floor to take mate yeah thanks uh, so I uh, I really think that this this the scene uh, changed a lot 
from when I started in 2016, uh, there were much less brands. Um, the, the, the whole market was just going up for vintage dive watches suddenly. That's also a reason why uh, the Sealander has this vibe, because we saw the, the, the interest there. Um, yeah. And then from this time on, uh, I believe in, in 2017, there were 500 watch brands on Kickstarter started. And so not all of them were successful and one maybe a bit better than the other. Um, but it's one and a half per day. So competition was growing strong. Um, so it was it was easier to start, which is good, and I'm I'm happy. Like competition is only it keeps you sharp, and it's more creativity, and uh, and and that's that's super cool. But apparently there's enough um, demand to keep these people afloat, to sell enough watches, to keep their business open, which which is very cool. And what I said earlier, I really think it is it's not a threat to the industry or something. This micro brand it's only good. So it's a bit of young people, new people, uh, and maybe the the micro brand scene is 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 five percent of all the uh, revenue worldwide. But that's that's good. That's that's perfect. So you you will always have people that want something different, something unique, something that the the, the other person next to them doesn't have, and that's exactly what micro brands are for. I think. It's about the story, and if you have to, you have to fall in love with this piece, and then you you want it, you like it, and you have something uh, very different from from other people. And um, I, I think that's great. So I'm 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 happy that the scene uh, grew, and I hope it stays. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think it never will get like twenty percent of the market or something like it's it's it it will stay. Yeah. It has a li- certain limit. But that's perfect, and I'm happy to be in this little five percent. Uh, it's it's a very cool place to be. Well, with the with the amount of information we have today online, uh, the watch community has become very savvy and picky, mm-hmm. and that naturally filters out the the one that are out for the money. Yeah, that filters out nat- naturally the the brands that are there to just to make profit and 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 uh, not to uh, bring the passion and and uh, the effort to please the watch community and to 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 pay pay respect to the watch business in general so uh, i'm not worried about the amount of watch brands that are coming and going because they will fall out if they're not honest and if they're not uh, uh, here to bring something of importance and of value no and uh, it's definitely true that people do so much more research i think especially with the micro brands this is uh, watch enthusiasts who, who uh, spend <laughs> days, weeks on, on searching and looking and they get yeah. a lot of, lot of energy out of this. But I already saw it five years ago when I was working still in the store. Uh, my colleagues who worked there for longer, they said that things really changed. People didn't walk into the shop and say, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know, I, I, uh, I'm getting 30 and I want to, to buy a watch for myself or something like this. And that they had, they were fully open. Which brand, uh, it, so the question was, would you like a steel bracelet or a leather strap? Or what are you looking for like this? And But already yeah, five years yeah. ago, people were really walking in. Like, do you have the uh, the Longines, tac, 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 and like giving the serial number, like yeah. very uh, 
very focused already Savvy. on what they Savvy, yeah. They did research and everything. So very different, yeah. It's really different. We run out of time, but for the listeners, thank you guys for listening and being part of the podcast journey. Please do write us on Apple Podcast if you have an iOS device. Give us your honest feedback via DM on Instagram. And until next time, time is what's beyond horology. Use it wisely. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye and have a great day.